Hello, I'm Sarah Ray, editor of Smart Cities World. Welcome to the Smart Cities World podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing an intriguing sounding technology called distributed acoustic sensing, which could increasingly be used to help cities make greater use of existing assets and offer a new way to help them understand what's happening in the city and respond to that. Um, today, I'm delighted to have with me two experts in this area, Stuart Large, who is the product line director at Fotech, and Chris Shannon, who is the CEO at Fotech, a company which provides this technology to several industries and now to cities. So um, Stuart, before we go any further, can you um, un unpack this techie sounding idea of distributed acoustic sensing a little bit for us? Certainly, it'd be a pleasure. So I'll try and explain it in fairly simple terms, uh, very non-technical. So we use a standard optical fiber as brings the internet to your home or business. And we connect our device to one end of that fiber, which could be up to a few tens of kilometers long. And we're going to turn that fiber into sensors, thousands of sensors. And the way this works is we send thousands of pulses of light down this fiber every second. And we're looking for disturbances occurring in the environment around that fiber. So the fiber cable would typically be laid alongside a road or maybe along a railway line or through buildings. And in the environment around that fiber cable, there'll be lots of movements from vehicles, trains, people walking about. And those will be causing vibrations and acoustic energy to be transmitted down through the ground uh, to the fiber optic cable and it will disturb the fiber. And that actually disturbs the light that is transmitted through the fiber. So as we send those pulses of light, there's a small amount of light reflected back to us by the process of Rayleigh backscatter. And as we compare one pulse of light to the next, we see very small changes which are coming about from those vibrations traveling through the ground and disturbing the optical fiber. Great. Okay, so looking forward to getting a better visualization then of how this could be used um, by someone uh, managing a city. But um, first, um, let's go to you, Chris, because I just want to find out a bit more about um, the company, because I know that it's not a new company or a new technology, but we haven't heard about you very much in smart cities before. So why are we hearing that now? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Sarah. So um, maybe a little bit of history to start with. Fotech uh, has been around for 12 years now, real leaders and pioneers uh, in the field of distributed acoustic sensing on fibre. So this isn't a new technology, as you say. We, we monitor um, tens of thousands of kilometres of, of assets um, around the world 24-7. More than 500 systems have been shipped and deployed in more than 25 countries. And we're monitoring pipelines, protecting them against uh, theft, intervention, and leak detection. We monitor international borders. We monitor perimeters around uh, significant infrastructure assets and, and buildings such as airports. Um, back in 2013, BP took a stake in, in the business, a, a small equity holding, um, really driven by our services that we were offering in the oil field, where fibers are used uh, downhole uh, in the oil wells to monitor what's going on. Um, and uh, I guess when the opportunity 
came to acquire Fotec uh, at the end of, of last year, um, this coincided very much with BP's ambitions to refocus the business on the energy transition. Um, and you may be aware that BP have established BP Launchpad, uh, which has been set up as a business accelerator scale-up factory, um, really aiming to build $5 billion businesses by 2025 to, to tackle the dual energy challenge. Um, now, where does where does Fotec fit in around that with smart cities? Back in 2016-17, um, working with the city of Calgary, where our software team is is based uh, in Canada, um, we had the opportunity to get involved in some geophysical research using the optical fibers laid underneath the city to understand seismic activity and what might be seen around the city breathing. Um, really interesting eye-opening moment for everyone involved when we plug our interrogating technology into the communications infrastructure of the city. Uh, within a couple of hours, the whole city came alight in front of our eyes and we could see vehicles moving, we could see crowd movement, pedestrians on, on sidewalks, uh, we could see the mass transit system moving through the city. Um, and it became a, a, a real um, moment where we understood the billions of sensors that were already deployed throughout the world for us uh, that our technology could turn into valuable data about activities that are happening around cities. And that really launched us into the drive to become a part of the smart city story um, and fitted very much with BP's vision of energy security, uh, environment protection, and uh, you know, BP creating technologies for the benefit of, of everybody. Okay. So, um, so we've heard a bit more about... Um, the technology and the the data you've alluded to there. Can you uh, bring this to life a bit more about you know why that should matter um, to a city and what it can enable in terms of their um, goals? So perhaps Stuart, can you give us um, an example to bring that to life? Yes, certainly. So what we haven't really touched on yet is is the software. Uh, aspect of this technology so clearly we have some very clever photonics and we're and we have a very sensitive instrument which can pick out you know signatures of all these different activities but then the real magic takes place with the software and the application of artificial intelligence which is where photek really distinguishes itself it's our ability to pick out the particular signatures of those events we're worried about so for example activities where somebody is trying to hot tap a pipeline. We'll detect footstep movements, uh, we'll detect people digging in the ground near the pipeline and then tampering with it to try to fit a tap. Or indeed we could even detect the signature of product escaping from the pipeline. And the same can be said for other applications uh, where we're looking for threats to an asset. Or if we think about roads, then uh, the software has the job of uh, looking at the, the, the signatures of the vehicles moving along the road and allowing us to count the number of cars passing the various points along the fiber, so that's flow rate, determining the velocity of the cars moving along the road, maybe some form of categorization, you know, whether it's a lorry or a car or a, a, a light goods vehicle, for example, 
And then even going a level beyond that to identify where there may be a traffic queue, determine how long a queue is that's waiting at sets of traffic lights, or see where maybe there's been an incident in the road because of a breakdown or an accident that's causing some congestion. So what we want to do then is deliver a stream of data, as, as I described there, to a traffic management system or perhaps even to emergency services that can then act on that data. And there's going to be some immediate decision-making, such as to change the traffic lights and try to ease congestion, which of course has a, also a knock-on effect to improve air quality around that uh, traffic intersection and ultimately improve people's lives as they spend less time commuting to work and living a healthy environment. Then there will be some medium-term analytics. So we'd like to correlate that data with other sources of information, such as weather patterns or information about events that are going on in a city, such as a major sporting event or a pop concert, which causes a congregation of people. And we can look at then building resilience to cope with those events. So how should we perhaps uh, alter the road network temporarily to help uh, traffic around uh, that event that's going on? And then indeed, there will be longer term analytics where we can look at the overall impact of congestion on air quality and quality of life for people around the city as a whole and maybe even have an input to decisions such as you know, what happens if I build another thousand homes in this part of the city? Uh, or what happens if I was to choose to close this particular road to perhaps make it more friendly for cyclists and pedestrians? The DAS data could help give us insights there, perhaps alongside other sources of data too, uh, to um, give a much better picture. Okay, um, and Chris, what um, applications in the city particularly get you excited? Yeah, I think um, some of the immediate applications that provide uh, instant value to telcos are, are very much in line with what we do already around parameters, and 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 this is about uh, protecting the cable itself. Uh, many of the uh, fiber optics that, that run around a city are carrying highly valuable, important data uh, that can be time sensitive uh, or security sensitive. And if we think about uh, cables that might be running from data centers to, to the financial district, for example, um, extremely important that, that those uh, communication channels remain up. And so protecting those cables against um, uh, nefarious intervention from people that may be uh, trying to uh, extract data or from maintenance activities that could accidentally dig through the road um, and break those cables without even realizing they're there uh, is, is an immediate benefit from this technology where we can alert the telco to the fact that there is uh, activity going on which could cause the damage to the cable. Traffic can be rerouted um, in, in, in the first instance before any damage is done. Uh, that maintenance activity can be monitored and then uh, everything put back straight uh, once it's finished without having interrupted any of the data traffic flows. So I think, um, you know, Stuart talks about the aggregation of multiple sets of data into big visions for cities running better. But immediately today, plug this into a cable and the cable's being protected from the first hour. And, and I think those applications get us very excited in terms of um, our own 
uh, benefits that we can bring, but also the, the immediate value to the telcos of why they would first deploy this technology on their infrastructure. Okay. Um, so uh, when we uh, think about acoustic, we think about listening. And then when we combine that with data and terms like detection, people typically will ask about, you know, privacy and that kind of thing. So Stuart, you know, what, what would you say about that? Yes, I understand uh, those concerns and the question has sometimes been asked because, of course, people are quite used now to being watched by cameras um, or, you know, or, or having their habits uh, observed and recorded when they are using the internet, for example. And, and that's quite you know, unique to a, 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 any particular person in that, for example, obviously a camera, you can see someone's face. The good thing about uh, distributed acoustic sensing is that it is truly anonymous. We see no faces. We don't see any registration plates on cars. But we are uh, gathering the data we need for making the decisions that we'd like to make and to actually gather data you know, about ge um, you know, general trends. Uh, for example, the number of cars that are waiting in a traffic line uh, or perhaps you know, areas where uh, there's this high density of footfall, but we're not picking out any, any individuals. So okay. um, it kind of gets the both, best of both worlds in that sense. So it's not distinguishing between um, individuals, but you can tell the difference between a car and a bike and footsteps. So how, how does it know, um, you know what type of thing is running over it? Well, that is what comes down to the software. It's about the ability to pick out the signatures of those different types of machines or people or events. And uh, you know, if we think about uh, any application, even something like monitoring a, a fence around a perimeter, you know, we'll have certain types of activities that you would consider a threat, such as somebody climbing the fence or somebody cutting through the fence. But you could see how those have different patterns and signatures uh, as those occur. But the fence could also be disturbed by the wind blowing against it. But it's different. Uh, yeah, wind blowing will affect the whole fence, whereas climbing on a fence is in a very localised area. The software is smart enough to pick out and uh, make that differentiation. And we can apply the same to a fibre in the ground in recognising crowd movements and uh, vehicles driving around. So the uh, clearly are a lot um, of applications for cities. Um, Chris, could any city that's interested in uh, doing this deploy the technology straight away? I mean, what if they don't have, obviously, a lot of fibre and are not a target city for fibre expansion? Um, could, you know, could this risk exacerbate in the digital divide, which we already have? Yeah, interesting question, Sarah. I think the, uh, you know, firstly, this technology works on any of the standard communication fiber infrastructure across cities. And it's also important to recognize the drive for fiber deployment. If we look at mobile technologies, 5G uh, it is driving the need for more dense fiber networks all the time. Um, and most are moving to this small cell network that is going to have fiber down just about every sidewalk um, in, a, in a city center. Um, the point about the digital divide, I think, is an interesting one. What our technology is doing is creating an entirely another value stream 
from the fiber communications infrastructure. So if we take a city today that might not be attractive to, um, uh, to a fiber uh, company because they can't see the route to revenue uh, due to the, um, the households there not being able to afford the sort of broadband packages that, uh, that, that are of interest to them. Um, what we're doing is creating a need for that fibre for sensing capabilities for all the things we've talked about, about security, about environment protection, about energy security. Um, and if that is the reason to install that fibre communication infrastructure, cities then have the opportunity to provide their, their citizens with uh, communications at much more economic rates than might be sought if communication was the only need for that fiber to be deployed. So I think we have a route to narrowing the, individual, the, the digital divide through this tech. Interesting, okay. So um, Stuart, we've had um, a taster of this um, technology for people that might not have heard about it before. Um, what do you think is coming next? You know, what are the areas to watch and what does that mean for cities? Yeah, so, so obviously we've got more work to do. Uh, our technology has been used to you know, protect pipelines and perimeters and borders has been discussed. There are some slightly different requirements in the city. We anticipate having many more systems installed uh, given the vast numbers of kilometers uh, of fiber that are present. So we need to make sure that our systems are scalable across the city and that we're cost effective and we're looking at uh, how we might enable that. Also interested in looking at the application of the DAS data on a more holistic level. So, you know, rather than just perhaps raising you know, particular alarms or providing particular data feeds, let's actually look at how the DAS data fits into the bigger picture, working alongside the other sources of data and other inputs uh, to get that uh, you know, holistic uh, vision of the city and uh, help at the higher level. I think the other thing just worth uh, talking about as well, you know, Chris mentions there about uh, the build out of 5G. Uh, you know, we'd like to work with those telecoms uh, companies. Um, and I think here back to what's happened in the pipeline sector over the years. When we first started in this sector, we found that we, you know, new technology we had to really prove ourselves and work on fiber cables that were already in place. They were laid alongside a pipeline for communications and some uh, information to come from sensors back to a control room. We had no control over the choice of the fiber optic cable or where it was laid. But fast forward now to the current time, as people have now recognized what DAS can provide and recognize there are additional benefits such as providing leak detection, which requires the cable to be installed a little more carefully, perhaps closer to the pipeline, or making a particular choice of fiber cable, they're now willing to do that. So now when a new pipeline is built, Photek is consulted, and we're allowed to have some input as to where that cable goes to get the most value from it. I think that the city could follow a similar route. Today, we prove ourselves on fiber cables that are already in place, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if in, say, five years' time, we're working together with the telecoms providers and saying, actually, let's just put the fiber you know, in a slightly different place or connect it in a slightly different way at, you know, with minimum impact to them, but which 
vastly increases the wealth of the data uh, that we're able to provide to the city and therefore the value of the solution. Excellent. Okay, well, definitely keep us posted on um, examples and case studies of this in action so we can see uh, the results that it delivers. Um, and thank you both for being on the podcast. That's been really interesting. Sure. Thanks. Sarah. Thank you very much.